PlayStation games on PC. A new journey. Hello and welcome to Triangle Square Day PlayStation Podcast. I'm your host, Brett Beck, and alongside me, Mr. Sawbridges, bringing you guys lucky episode 90. 90 episodes. Seems like it was just yesterday that we were recording really bad test footage. Oh, man. With a sideways table and a, a lamp pointed at us. Y'all should really see that. That's a completely different. It's Maybe. only like a 15 second clip of what we actually have, right? Oh, it's so bad. But it's it, really bad. But it was literally from the ground up trying to figure out what we'd even do and if we had room to do it. But those are fun times. Anyway, if this is your first time joining us, we are Triangle Squared. Like we said, a PlayStation-oriented podcast. You can normally find us in video format on Mondays at uh, 10 a.m. PST and 12 noon CST. Uh, If you like us on YouTube and watch us on there, uh, consider subscribing, hitting the bell notification to let you know when our episodes go live every time that they do, which is every Monday at least in some... uh, some info is going to be changing up with that, but uh, we'll we'll kind of get you that information a little, 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 little bit. Yeah, that's why uh, it's a little, little dark. There's no video. Yeah. Uh, so if you are watching this on YouTube right now, you're probably going, "What? There's no video." But uh, this is, you, you know, what we're going to be back with video next weekend. We're just doing audio only for uh, reasons. 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 Yeah, reasons that y'all will find out on next Monday. Hmm. Uh, but. With that being said, you can also listen to us in audio-only format, apparently on YouTube these days, <laughs> and, and uh, podcast services for phones of any sort or computers. So that can be SoundCloud, uh, Google Play Music, Google Podcast, iTunes, uh, Spotify. Uh, we were finally blessed by them to be on their service as they opened up to everyone, despite the years of fighting that most people had to go through, including us. Um but if you like what we're doing there, uh, you can always find our social media threads in the comments uh, or the description section. I apologize. Uh, or you can just find us on Twitter at Triangle SQRD, on Facebook in the group Triangle Squared, a PlayStation podcast. And lastly, you can find our Discord, uh, which we keep in the description as well, where the conversation is always going on. Uh, and you can we have a number of topic threads. You can talk to us about everything, be it from the show itself to general topics or music and games, whatever you want to talk about. Uh, consider jumping in there and of course you can support us on patreon where you can get cool little colored names and other stuff for discord uh, as well as more again a lot of information coming on that in the uh in the coming week two weeks um but we'll get into that later so with that said Saul, it's been an interesting fun week for me still have my kidney stones sadly so i've been sitting in my butt a lot i finally got around to playing games this weekend on something other than my phone which is a weird statement for me but i'll get into that what have you been playing destiny 2 that's it actually i really haven't played any other games at all this week Uh, it's been busy with all my off time kind of christmas shopping and getting that stuff done before uh the week of the when this comes out because it's going to be the week before christmas and it's going to be ridiculously hectic and getting shopping done as a matter of fact i have to go to shopping when i leave here so i will be playing destiny 2 tonight and then I can relax uh, this week since I work a good amount of day shifts and uh, Friday I'm off. So I'll be able to relax and hang out. And of course, I'm off on Christmas Eve and Thanksgiving as well. I mean, Christmas Eve and Christmas. <laughs> I, was off on, I was off on Thanksgiving. but Yeah, I'm, I'm glad we ended up getting off for um, <clears throat> Christmas Eve as well. And then, uh, But we're not going to get off for New Year's Eve, which I expected. Yeah, I so got to work New Year's Eve. So I, that's not too big for me. But um, that's really it. Destiny. Like, that's 
the bottom bottom of my list what about you yeah i played a little bit of destiny with uh you kiki and vince the other day and i think joe too uh joe was on yeah um so we were playing with them um rolled through that uh then i played majority runescape on my phone still uh still super fun became a member doing all the member stuff making a lot of money three bucks a month or something ten dollars a month ten dollars a month yeah wow uh, but right now I'm technically on trial for the first seven days and then I'm, and then I'll pay after that. Um, uh, but re- membership is just as fun as I remembered it. And of course I knew it would be, so I'm going to pay for it. I'm having fun and I will continue to pay for it until it no longer is fun to me, which I can't see. It's a more of an access thing. You know, I typically don't play phone games, not because of any kind of grand hate for phone games. Uh, I do have this general thing where I think a lot of games do not transplant well over to touchscreen controls, which typically that's what you are limited to on a phone unless, and I constantly say this, unless you want to carry around one of those little Bluetooth controllers with you constantly that connects to your phone. But that just makes, it takes away the ease and fun of phone gaming. Phone yeah. gaming can be good when they actually go through and make a game and choose a game uh, or find a way to make a genre we've always known control well on there. I think that uh, games like RuneScape and uh, more World of Warcraft style MMOs work because it's it's heavily point and click based uh and essentially you just click where you, you just normally on a so like runescape normally on a computer you'd click where you want to go that's very easy to do on a touch screen you're literally doing the exact same thing and you're just rotating the camera by swiping swiping your uh, thumb up down or left and right across the thing to change where the camera sits so i think the game transplants very well but i think other games like shooters do not and uh, far too often they try and make first person shooters play on there with a faux analog stick yeah, and it just doesn't feel it's good terrible uh and that's why I say, yeah, you can carry around a controller, but I say that that completely ruins the uh, fun of phone gaming, which is supposed to be that you just literally are waiting in a doctor's office for 10 minutes, have 10 minutes to kill, you pull your phone out and instantly start playing something. You don't have to connect a controller. Uh, you don't have to set your phone into some kind of dock for the controller and then try and sync it up and all this stuff. You just play it. And then the other thing is some controllers don't are not supported by every game. So it's just like a hit and miss experience anyway. Yeah. I completely agree, actually. But I have been doing that. Uh, I got around to starting the Spyro uh, uh, Reignited Trilogy this weekend, finally, and I'm almost done with Spyro 1 already. Um, My general quick thoughts on that game is that I've always been far more of a Crash fan than a Spyro, though I did enjoy the Spyro games. Uh, But I enjoyed Crash so much more that I would continue to play it uh, throughout the years on my PlayStation 3. And even though I have um, the the, uh, Spyro games on my PlayStation 3, it's probably been almost 10 years since I've played them. Um, So I would say it's one of those things where coming back to it is like a little bit of like, oh yeah, I'm not as familiar with this as I was with Crash. Uh, But also the game is so easy, man. At least the first it's very handholdy when you rescue the dragons there's no real reason to rescue the dragons they hardly ever teach you anything real or give you anything new is what i should say instead they'll tell you like oh don't remember that to uh make the, to make high jumps you gotta start flying as soon as you reach the height of your jump and it's like i had to do that to get to you yeah do you not think that i knew that very much more kid friendly than uh crash is it's very sure. handholdy and essentially what it comes down to is that they're both easy to pick up and play with their plots being a uh, very light-hearted and, and easy to do but even then the the plot for spyro is also just not as fun it's literally just like a guy sitting there at least this time around um the way they chose i mean it's it's essentially a guy sitting there uh, watching TV, the dragon calls him ugly and he freezes them all. And then like, they, first of all, he froze them all. And even though they froze right in front of you, suddenly whenever you go back to gameplay, 
they're spread throughout the world. It's just there's a lot more of a disconnect with what's going on to what you're doing, and it feels like Spyro has no real reason. So when you couple that with the fact that there really isn't the challenge to the game uh, whereas you know some people can say that maybe crash controls a little rough but what it leads to is very precise platforming and it makes crash a very fun game because you have this rewarding sense that happens when you overcome levels like a uh, road to nowhere and slippery slope and stuff like that where there's a lot of like takes a lot of precision platforming to do a good job and that's fun because you get this sense of accomplishment from being done because it's like I did that I was a good player whereas Spyro is just fun because you're just running around with a moderately decently controlled character uh, that yeah. collects a bunch of stuff it's fun and I'm going to play through it and I'm working towards the platinum but it's n- the way I chose to describe it the other day on Twitter is it's painting my time with it a little dimly it's like muted colors because I'm playing with it and I'm like this is fun but it's not hard, so the fun that could be there is just kind of missing. Um, because I've played the games before, it's too. It's more of a chill experience than anything else. Exactly. Yeah. And it makes it... I don't know how much I'll be able to sink my time into it. It depends on how long the games are. I don't really have a, a great recollection of how long they were to begin with. So, I mean, it's just... That's a good question, because I, I don't slight, really remember either. Yeah, it's just a slight disappointment uh, on my part. But I've still been having fun with it. So, I mean, I'm enjoying it. But it, it's been enough to show me that, yes, I do have a good reason as to why I like Crash more. And it's not just because of nostalgia. But Makes sense. Yep. So, I think that's about all. I, I, I plan to start Assassin's Creed eventually. But I wanted to play through at least one of the Crash I mean, at least one of the Spyro games before I start playing other games in my backlog. So, uh, But with that being said, uh, let's go into the releases that we might be able to play here soon if we want to. Uh, doesn't look like it's a great week for it. Uh, but go ahead and hop into the drop. Sure. So, for those that don't know, the drop is this week's PlayStation's releases across all of its platforms. First on the list, we have Atari Flashback Classics for PS Vita, Battle Princess Madeline for PS4, Beats Fever for PS4, Cook Serve Delicious 2 for PS4, Dreamwalker for PS Vita, Gun Club VR for PSVR, Hellfront Honeymoon for PS4, London Detective Mysteria for PS Vita, Nippin Marathon for PS4, one Word by Palgi for PS4 and PS Vita, a digital cross-buy title. R Dimensions EX for PS4. Raised for PS4. Skin Tilatron 4096 for PS4 and PS Vita, another cross-buy title. VR Apocalypse for PSVR. And the last one on the list, we have Warhammer Vermintide 2 for PS4. Which is just now finally making its way over to PlayStation. Uh, if I'm not mistaken, that's been on PC. I know it's been on PC for some time. About six months now. And it's been on Xbox, I think, for the same amount of time. I don't know if that's part of the uh, Xbox Early Access featurette or something, or if it was... Uh, I think it was even a game that came to Games Pass. Really? Uh, at launch, yeah. Um, I'm not entirely positive on that, but I really do think so, because I think Blake mentioned playing it. Uh, so that's very interesting that we're just now getting around to it, but nothing crazy. Um so I'm going to go ahead and go into the news for the time being. Is there any game that stands out to you that you'd want to play, Saul? Nope. I think, uh, is Vermintide the one that's, or no, it was another one. There was a uh, Warhammer game that they were working on. It might be in Vermintide where it's a, a Diablo-like, but I think that one already this came out. This is a first-person shooter. Okay, yeah. yeah so that one like, already came is, out. People have compared it to Left 4 Dead. Oh. It's like a horde-based first-person sure. RPG kind Yeah, of where thing. you kind of teamwork between moving around on it. That makes yeah. sense. And, and kind of wave-based enemies. 
Yeah, I could see that. Jonathan played a lot of the first one. The Warhammer games are just massively weird. That they, I don't ever see many people talk about them, but they continue to make them. So you have this assumption. Oh, they have a very dedicated fan base. Exactly. Especially have, on PC. Yeah, you have to imagine that that's what's going on. You can't keep making those games forever, you know, if no one's buying them. Uh, but I'll go ahead and hop into the news for now. First thing up on the news, I'm proud of my peeps over at Quantic Dream. Uh, the Detroit Become Human, their PS4 first effort actually on PS4, which is uh, their little choice-based adventure for those who maybe haven't seen it. I'd be surprised, has surpassed 2 million sales in less than a year, becoming their fastest-selling game ever. Though They've still got a way to be their best-selling game ever because uh, that is currently heavy rain with like 5.4 million. Considering the type of game it is, that's pretty impressive. It's impressive. Good job, yeah. guys. That's and I think and two million is no slaps in general. You know, used to it was a great deal when games passed a million. And it's funny how much that's actually kind of lessened this generation uh, because you know uh, the order sold over a million, Killzone sold over a million, Knack sold over a million. But a lot of people had this idea that Knack wasn't going to get a sequel. And I get that games pricing versus and all the things that hitting a million now is a little different than hitting a million back in the day because of the rate of which you, the money you're actually getting is going and the fact that games cost more to make now um but i still think it's one of those things where two million is no slouch uh the fact that you know near tama was able to hit three and a half million with when i guarantee that it was not anywhere close to its projected sales as they were trying to play it safe it's impressive so Good for them. I mean, obviously, it's nothing on God of War or uh, Spider-Man uh, in a year like this that sold, you know, five million copies in the first three days or stuff like that, whatever it was. It's obviously not as big, but I think that the game is holding its weight pretty fine. Next thing up, PlayStation have introduced the My PS4 Life uh, feature on their website, which is a feature that creates a custom video of your PS4 stats, such as first PS4 game, hours played across all games, top three games you've put the most hours into, trophies earned since launch, rarest trophy, and how long it took you to earn that trophy. Uh, the feature is currently in high demand, so if you actually are trying to go and do that, uh, you might not be able to get it. Definitely in the US, it looks like right now it's housed through the European thing, and it seems like th- nobody's been able to get a sheer answer as to whether or not we can't get it because of high demand which is what it says on the site when you go to it or if it's because we're in the u.s and it's just not made its way over to be supported by our accounts yet i don't know but the thing that really interests me the most about this is that this is obvious and we already knew this to an extent because they sent out the emails uh with this information but now that they've implemented this, which is essentially anyone can go, because before the emails were like specifics, not everybody got them. Now this is something that you can go and of your own volition, you can click on and say, oh, hey, I want to see all these things about me. They're obviously keeping the data. So, you know, Xbox and Steam and other places, and even the Switch has a crude form of at least being able to keep up with how many hours you've played a game. Uh, you know, the Switch shows you, I think it's five days after you start playing a game, it'll start to show you the amount of time that you put into it on an hour basis. Um, and I think, uh, I know that, um, <clears throat> excuse me, I know that Xbox has a stats page where you can go through and look at some of these things. I think it's really interesting that we haven't seen them introduce this on the console itself as a feature that would just be more of a page tied. Like, yeah. Does that make sense? I think, and this has been one of my biggest questions, I almost wonder if Sony has data that shows that when people actually look at how much time they've put into a game or, a, or gaming in general, oh, I'm sure they do. that they play less. Yeah. And so Sony's like, well, maybe we don't want people to have this easily at their fingertips. Because then they'll know what games to buy and 
well, I think like splurge money on too, right? Well, I think to an extent there's that, but I think it's also the fact that sometimes if you let people see they spent 412 hours playing Destiny 2, they may go, man, I played way too many games lately. I need to not buy any games for a couple months and kind of chill out. No, that means I need to stop playing any other game and get to 1,000 hours on Destiny 2. That's a challenge. Exactly. See, people are going to handle it different ways, but... I assume that there's market research where they can see that maybe people having the ability to see how many time, how many hours they've put into might be a downside. And realistically, I wonder if it's even something that they think about with kids who spend, you know, probably who there's probably kids who have put a thousand hours into Fortnite in the last six months. And if you let, if you let parents easily see that their kid has sunk a thousand hours over six months into a game, they might be like, yeah, you don't get to sit in your room anymore and play this game and buy a bunch of stupid stuff. Good. That's, you know, the parents' responsibility. No, exactly. But I'm saying as a business decision, I think it would make sense that Sony might be trying to not make that so easily handleable. But I think that it's something I would like to see. Um, I'm just curious if there's reasons as to why they are choosing to opt away from it when every other console has some form of it. Xbox has the most robust in the console realm, but Switch is up there with uh, getting with that there with yeah, the Xbox. Yeah, it at least is attempting, is what it seems like. Because you know they don't have trophies. There's a lot less stuff to track. Which yeah, which is crazy because Steam is one of the most popular marketplaces in the world uh, for games, and that's. They, they do exactly that. They yeah. show you how many games played before. Uh, but PC gaming is a very different thing, and I think it tends to be about, adults. So. I'm talking about in terms of market research and stuff. Sure, sure. I mean, it's somewhat similar. Who knows? Uh, we'll move on to the next thing, though. The PSN is letting European users select language and reason region for their accounts, uh, allowing content locked behind regions originally to be easily accessible now. The change is limited to Europe currently and might not make its way to other territories as it seems to be a compliance with a new law in Europe that requires companies to avoid locking content behind regions, which is really an interesting idea for a law. And I wonder what spurred it. Because, I mean, if you think about the where Europe's at and everything that's in it, uh, it's very interesting to see how this breaks down. I wonder if it's because of the chances of moving. It, it's it's something that's so different for people who live in the United States to think about, as essentially we have a very massive country with a ton of states that essentially the states themselves are about the size of a lot of European countries. So when you think about it in that sense, I almost wonder if this is an attempt to make it to where when you move countries, you're not locked out of certain things just because you're, you're now technically in a new region. There's a, there's a couple things that uh, the EU has done lately in terms of like laws that are kind of odd for an American, but they make kind of total sense in the culture of uh, EU stuff. I was talking to somebody not too long ago I can't remember what you're talking about. I'm like, that would never happen in the U.S. because of this. They said, well, yeah, but we do have that in the EU. And I'm like, oh, well, then that's a perfect law for you guys. Yeah, now. you essentially look and you have to, and it makes sense that it maybe it, it would be cool to go everywhere, but at the same time, it's easy to exploit for a number of reasons. Yeah. Uh, but again, these are things you wonder because Xbox already lets you do this. Uh, so it's another thing where you look and you wonder why PlayStation hasn't allowed it since we now know that it's apparently not a technological barrier which i wouldn't have thought it would be anyway but it's something they were able to easily implement to comply with this law so who knows maybe they will maybe they'll see that people really are clamoring for it now that it's out in the open and they'll move it to everybody i can only imagine that the upside would be that essentially you could temporarily turn your account to japanese to download japanese demos and games uh for people that want to do that which are uh, maybe games that only come out in the uk people in that people who have xbox like blake he actually will change his time zone uh to a different country i'm pretty it might be a different country it might just change his time zone to download games earlier yeah and now that seems to be in a sense of getting them on games pass sooner which yeah. means that it's probably a way to exploit game pass that normally wouldn't work on a console 
Um, so it's kind of interesting. Kind of a cool little little hack, I guess you could say. Sure, like and it'd be interesting hack. to see if that's something that comes along with this on the PlayStation side. Uh, next up, Mortal Kombat 11. If you saw the announcement trailer they gave at the Game Awards, uh, finally has some information about when we're going to see real gameplay and not just um, CGI footage. Uh, the reveal will happen during a live stream that they have planned for January 17th. So if you have any interest in that, go check out. They talked about it on their Twitter a bit. Uh, so you'll be able to see it from there and maybe get a better idea on exactly when that's going to be. Uh, but that's the information we have for the time being. Saul, this next one, I'm curious to see what you think about because I'm it, it hits me in two weird ways. I'm I will tell you right now, sure. I love you. Or I love it. Not you. Yeah, but I love you. But yeah. <laughs> Thanks, Saul. Continue on. I appreciate that, bud. Uh, BioWare has recently announced that Armor and Anthem, the new uh, Destiny-like slash you know Division-style uh, online shooter game, will be will not be tied to stats. So the armor will not have any stats to it at all, and instead will act as a purely aesthetic uh, item. Essentially, the right. goal of this is seemingly being that they want to facilitate customization without sacrificing stats. Now, what I find odd about this is that how then does that work out what the gameplay loop is going to be, first of all, which is going to be interesting, because if you move away from any of your stats having, or any of your uh, pieces of armor having a stat, then that's, that means that essentially the only way that you can get better stats would have to be a more traditional leveling system almost. It would be tuning abilities. Well, there's that, but how do you also just generally gain a level? Because our and like our even then okay well, well, or get better stats. What what this basically typically you know when you look at older games you, you your armor isn't as important as your actual level. You know it's right. like, so you have a level and if you want to you so, if you want to stat up then you increase your level. Think of it as like a skill tree and basically you could throw any kind of armor you want on you which it's going to have value. It's not going to be stat value I'm sure, but it's going to have some kind of value. It's going to be uh, because what 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 we don't know. Is that if it's inherently going to be tied to defenses? Because that's, is that really considered a stat? Yeah. So, so the way that they're looking at health? this right now is that no perks or anything will be attached to armor from what they from what they talked about. This happened on a live stream that they were talking about it, and so they didn't go into as much depth as I would have liked. But essentially, they started talking about it from the sense of, and I I like the idea of uh, this happens in Destiny all the time. You get Didn't an item that looks amazing, and yeah. you're like, I really want to keep this look, but. It's either it doesn't have the perks that I need exactly. or it's too low of level. Now, I think that there's a weird balance to this because I think part of the reason that you're able to get a game like Destiny that continues to have people playing it forever and ever and ever is because not only do you get into this gameplay loop of trying to hit the max level whenever they increase it, which means that. that you constantly want to get these new items. You get into that fashion loop. Of course. And then the other part of it, though, comes down to when you want to get that one piece of armor that does something so specific that it's cool. Yeah. So it's like, oh, I want to get um, the uh, boots that you can put onto your um, warlock, warlock to make the uh, the well of radiance uh, make it to where you don't have to reload exactly. when you're in it. That's Motor amazing. Boots. And the, the, the idea behind that is that you get this weird synergy between your items and your specials uh, or your supers, if you want to call it that. Uh, that's the official <laughs> name for it. Uh, but essentially, you know, you get this interesting synergy of everything tying back around and creating an interesting loop. And then sometimes you get ones that almost seem like they weren't intended but they happen anyway yeah uh, like the chromatic fire that we have as a warlock uh and the ability that we get from Cade's gun ace of spades Ace's you spades. essentially yeah you essentially double firefly 
Firefly, yeah, which is kind cool. of amazing, you know. And I don't necessarily know if that was an intended thing, but it was cool. That Certainly it comes not, out of that. but it, but but they, I guarantee you, when they testing, they were like, "Well, this is going to work with this, so this is an added perk." Yeah, which, and and the whole and uh, to summary to summarize what I thought about this was I like it a lot because it's going to allow me to figure out a set of armor or you know. Um, I, technically, I don't know if it's called armor in the game, right? What's the, like? What's it called? Like your your ex? Oh, your javelin. Javelin. Yeah. Yes. So your javelin. But it seems to me, real quick, before just in case it may do it, your javelin acts as a whole. But I still think that you can customize the outside with pieces of armor in a weird way, right? Yeah. But I don't know for sure. So well, it lets it lets me be able to customize it how I see fit while focusing on any stats that are character based as well. I think that I like that a lot uh, because it's going to let me look how I want to look and play how I want to play. And there's times in Destiny where I'll pick a set of stuff like armor over other armors because it's like this looks way better to me and like I don't want to look mix, mix matched or I don't I don't like the look of that helmet whatever it may be and then I'll I won't wear it because I like I have to look cool to me like I have to look how I want to look in Destiny so I'll technically may lose out on this but if I'm trying to grind something out I will go put on everything that I can and look ugly to go do so so there's always that and when I'm yeah. playing as it it's like this I look terrible but I'm doing cool things and yeah. it's, it's one of those things that's like now I don't have to worry about looking terrible I'm just doing cool things so here's the worry that a lot of people have and I get it though I don't think it's necessarily fair to try and clam the game when it, you haven't had somebody have the chance of doing that yet uh, but essentially what I kind of think that people are going towards and I've seen voiced a lot in comments and stuff like that is that they're worried then that a this is going to discourage people from wanting to go through and, and getting items that are rare because of the fact that you went through like a challenge to get them and they have a great perk attached to the fact that you got them from that challenge which is something you do like in destiny right when you have a, a thousand voices right it's a cool looking gun and it has a really cool effect but you did it by running through the raid and it's like you had and and also luck it's, it's so it creates this like a badge basically yeah it, it, a pseudo badge in that sense where you're you're rolling through it's like not only do I have this ability and it's cool when you see somebody using something you're like oh my god I know what that is can't believe they got lucky enough to get that or yeah. they've done the it's stuff like required of, to get it it's almost like shards of Galnor which is a hunter exotic that if you if you see if you go inspect somebody and they're wearing that they're like that guy's lucky because he has that it's gonna, it's gonna take that away from it in a little bit I it think. will and I think the other side is is like I don't see why they wouldn't just opt for something more akin to transmogrification which is something you see in a lot of uh, RPGs or not a lot actually I wish more games had it uh but okay like here's an example of a game that i always say did it really well uh dc universe online every piece of armor did have a mon i have a, a a stat value excuse me but the thing the way that they worked around that is that you could color everything individually uh you could do a entire body color where you could choose a primary color a secondary color and then a trim color uh, and then you could go that would apply it to everything but then you could drill down further per piece and then change that again so that you could really completely customize the way you want your thing to look but on top of that every time that you got a piece of armor this is the way that they worked around the visual aspects of things so when you got a piece of armor it did have a stat base uh, and it did sometimes have perks but what would happen is that you would unlock the style of that armor uh, for that piece so then if you got a new shoulder but you liked the way your demonic shoulder looked you could apply the demonic style to the new shoulder and it give you everything that the, that the new shoulder had from a stat value and a perk value but with the look and color that you wanted it being fully controllable on your end I don't see why they wouldn't opt towards something a little closer to that so that you still have the you still have 
the gameplay and mechanical loop that's going to happen from wanting to go toward getting better items. Uh, and it's, I, I really wish, and they signed an NDA, so of course the, people aren't really supposed to be talking about it. Uh, but with the most recent alpha that came out and happened a little while back. Somebody got uh, banned on Twitch because of that. Oh, really? From trying to show it, I assume, or talk about it? Yeah, they were showing it, and uh, they only had like a certain, like a one-hour window they could show something, and he just kept playing, and he was even like, don't care. Well, he got banned from Twitch, like permanently banned, so dummy. So anyway, what what I mean by that is like, because we've not been able to see enough of it or hear people's thoughts about it just yet, we're having to go off of what the developers say. So you start to get this idea of like, okay, so is there not going to be levels at all? Is everything just going to be skill-based? And then what happens? Do you slowly have to work through getting skill points to unlock new skills? Will there be no levels? So if there's no levels, will enemies not be scaled to that level? Do you get what I'm saying? Like to where they're within so that you keep a challenge or will everything have a flat level and then it just goes between... It, it seems weird to think that because the enemies have to have some kind of a stat. So even if they don't have levels, uh, a boss would obviously warrant much higher HP and maybe more output damage than a traditional boss. So it seems like you would want your bosses to be leveled or your enemies to be leveled. Uh, so you would want your characters to be leveled so that you can coincide with how you know when you are or not ready to fight them. And I think that something that's going to come along with that is that if you don't have stats on your armor, you almost have to be moving your stats to being something that's driven by a leveling system because how else do you have stats? Now, I do get the one thing about this, and then we'll kind of move on, but it is a little different. Like you said, Destiny, you are a guardian that's putting on literally different pieces of armor, whereas in this, you've already mentioned, you're in essentially a mech. Yeah. Uh, now, it's more like a bodysuit than a mech, I guess I would say, but again, it's one it's one entire piece. Now, of course, you could break that down and be like, well, this is a body piece, but I'm going to put new shoulder pads on it to make it look this way, and that's what you're unlocking is kind of that, that idea. Um but it's going to be interesting to see how the uh, – it seems like this is a little less um, – what do we want to say? It's obviously sci-fi driven, but it seems a little more grounded and a little less mystical than Destiny has decided to yeah, take their lore. literal magic in Destiny. So. so I guess it would make sense that certain items are not going to do certain things and look a certain way because they're more tied to a grounded sci-fi approach that's still going to have sci-fi monsters but not necessarily have – uh, like weird space magic, magic and space magic yeah so it's it's going to be an interesting thing i'm still excited for the game it's just an it's something that on immediately hearing it i was like awesome and then when i started thinking about it i was like but what does that actually mean for the game itself yeah so it's hard to say but uh if you were wondering about that there you go you got some new information on it uh another thing regarding bethesda and working back to update games that have come out a while back very interestingly bethesda and arcane have gone back and updated both dishonored 2 and dishonored death of the outsider the updates add new game modes for users who log into their bethesda.net account which is a little odd why should i have to log in we'll see and why would i log in with an account because if you don't have one they force you to make one yet they just were giving people's information out yeah it's like a weird balance of what are y'all doing uh but i'm gonna move through it uh, so anyway, if you log into your Bethesda.net account through those titles, you'll have new game modes for both games, uh, and those modes being Mission Plus, which will allow you to return to any story mission you've previously completed and experiment freely with all powers and weapons, so stuff that you get later in the game, you can go back and experiment with how that would affect the first missions, uh, which is a cool idea, and I like that. Uh, it's essentially a new game plus without being a new game plus. Um, 
So from there, you can do that. But you can also do a black and white mode, allowing you to play the game with a black and white filter that does keep the blood red for a real moody tone. And I like that yeah, because I think cool. those games are moderately receptive to that tone uh, and the fact that they have like that really... I think the way that they kind of play already, they use a lot of vignettes and stuff. And I think when you pull that vignette around while you're moving around a black and white thing, it just creates an interesting look uh, that doesn't seem like it's completely out of place for it. Especially the, uh, the occasional splash of red. Yeah. Yeah. Give you that almost sin city vibe. Yeah. That's exactly what I was thinking of actually. Which of course, that's something you've seen a lot of stuff, but uh, also dishonored two users also get the pre-order bonuses for the game, which was the Imperial assassins pack, regardless of whether you pre-ordered it or not. So once you log in, you'll be able to go back to uh, the well, what is it called? I can't remember the name of the ship right now. Um, Anyway, you can go back to there and you can get all these items and it gives you a couple of new uh, bone charms and stuff like that. So if you like those games and wanted to have a reason to go back to them, there you go. You might have one now. Next up, announced close to launch, 2B finally joins the Soul Calibur roster via DLC starting December 18th. Next thing, the the Kingdom Hearts 3 PS4 Pro uh, that was announced at E3 uh this year last year last year I it's think. hard to even imagine at this point uh but anyway it has made its way to north america as a gamestop exclusive but sadly it sold out in a matter of hours so hopefully if you wanted one you were lucky enough to grab one otherwise hey if you still wanted one there's a bunch of people being buttholes and scalping them for like uh, fifteen hundred dollars so if you really want one there's still a way to get it um just not necessarily going to be cheap or easy. Not the way to get it. Not the way to get it. Yeah, I would. I would say I'd advise. I'd advise against it. But sometimes you got to do what you got to do for the things you want. Next thing: Spider-Man's last DLC in the City That Never Sleeps DLC pack, titled Silver Lining, releases December twenty-first and is included in the season pass for those of you who purchased it or got it with the uh, collector's edition, or can be purchased separately for nine ninety-nine. So if you wanted to see that story round out, you can grab and do so there, and uh, not too long from now. Warframe's latest expansion, Fortuna, released on PS4 this past week. So if you've ever had an interest in the game or waiting for a change to go back, get to it. This does precurse their Railjack deals or the real the Railjack expansion that they also teased at the uh Tenocon this year. And that is where you can control your own spaceship and it looks freaking sweet. Um so yeah, I still want to play that game. I just don't have time and the ability for anybody else to play with me. So sad days. Uh, aiming to keep its trophy as the most stable console ever released update 6.20 released this week for ps4 making sure the system remains rock steady and 110 percent stable so if you were worried about it uh go download that you know by now i assume that why even have a ps5 you've made the most stable console in the world there you go um monster hunter world is receiving a massive expansion in the way of iceborne which was teased with a cool looking video uh where it looks like via the video and i don't know if more information has been given at this time yet uh but when i saw it it looks like you're seeing that we're going to get an entirely new area to play in which um, is pretty cool which is cool it's a good idea because that game one, is already right? massive you know yeah it's the first new area right yes yeah yeah this is the first real expansion so they're aiming to launch that it's called iceborne like i said aiming to launch it autumn of next year uh, and early spring there will be a crossover event for the witcher 3 which will include Geralt and his voice actor coming in to do new voice lines and get this i thought this was pretty funny he's even going to do voice out uh, voice lines in the monster hunter language that's pretty cool so that because you know you could play the game with monster hunter language so he's going to come in and do those with his actual voice which is pretty funny 
And the last thing that we do here is going to move us into the main topic. So I'm going to hold off for just a second and let Saul hit the reader mail real quick. Sure thing. Those For those that don't know, we currently do reader mail every episode. And uh, every Wednesday and Friday, we put a tweet up on Twitter and then a post on Facebook letting you guys to ask us questions that we answer on the show. We answer two from Twitter, one from Facebook. And if we don't get to your question, never fret, never frown. We always will catch you up with the... Uh, Reader mail episode. Well, yeah, reader mail episode. Uh, for now, um, <laughs> uh, so cryptic. That is, yeah, that that airs the first Friday of every month. Uh, disregard this message here real soon, but uh, more on that next week. But the first question we have our good buddy Corey. He says, over the course of your gaming career, have you have you ever broken some gaming equipment or sustained any injuries? Ooh, in- injuries. And he says, Brett, we all know about your poor, poor, poor chair. So. Brett has a chair that he sits in and bangs on the armrest and bends the armrest. Okay, hold on. I want y'all to know my armrest. My armrest has like been it should be sloped. My but arm it is not. My armrest is has been untouched for at least the last eight months. Good deal. Yeah, good. I saw the, the the I saw the error in my ways and the the damage I was doing to this thing that houses my butt so often, and I decided that it was time to stop beating it up. Uh, I want to say real quickly though, part of the reason this happened is and where I had actually sprung from is one game in particular, and it was Crash Bandicoot One. Yep, it was during me trying to do the platinum cleanup and trying to get the uh, platinum relic for the time trials on the ice bridge level. So, like we said, uh, Road to Nowhere. And whatnot. Those levels are so incredibly frustrating that when you when that one thing happens because it's like ah, this wasn't quite right. That's why I say precision platforming. It makes the sense of like hate for the game when you're not doing good incredible, but it makes the sense of joy when you finally get it like unmatchable. When I finally got that freaking relic, I. I the biggest true sigh of relief in, <laughs> that I've had in a long time, where it's just like I'm done. Yeah. But I earned it. <laughs> I, yeah, I I can't imagine what you put yourself through because of how dented this armrest is. It was literally this like a, a steel armrest. Yes, it is. Well, it's still underneath a pad. A but foam, yes, yeah. Uh, it just wasn't over here punching steel. So that's one thing. That's where the chair comes into play. But uh, before I get to my other one, it's a story I might have told in the podcast really early days, but I don't know for sure. I'm going to go ahead and let you come in because I think if I recall right, haven't you broken a controller recently? Recently, yeah. So... Uh, we were playing Destiny 2, and uh, this was like, it's been a while now, like a month and a half ago, maybe. Yeah, yeah, seems but, like um, we were, uh, which is funny, because I actually broke another controller the other day, but this was not me, really. It was my fault. But uh, I got really mad in Gambit, and like I did the thing like where I was just trying to let off steam, so like I picked the controller up with one hand, and then I swung it down by my side. But like uh, I like wasn't trying to throw it or anything, but like the edge of the analog stick hit the, my armrest and it completely just screwed the analog stick up. So I was even more mad after that because then I had to go in the living room and get the other PS4 controller. We never bought a PS4 controller after that. So our remote finally died for the, the Universal Media Remote. Yeah. So we got a new one of those, but we were using one controller for everything, uh, which is tedious. So once she's done watching a Netflix show and it goes to the, you know, are you still watching screen? She has to come in there and steal the controller from me to go play it. Gross. That controller actually broke because uh, he doesn't mention rage in this. He just says, what have you broken? So this this isn't at, this one's not out of rage, but like uh, I, I, I had the controller in my hand and I went in the kitchen to make something and I set it on our bar and uh, our cat came up there and knocked it off the bar. and It, it just hit the wood ground, the wooden uh, uh, laminate that we have in our, our kitchen. 
and it turned off, but it would never turn back on. So did, like I plugged it in, wouldn't come back on. What you probably should have done is just, is just unscrewed it and reconnected the battery. I did. I, I took it out. I took a little battery out. I, I unplugged it, plugged it back in, never came back on. So I like what I did was when I went for work that day, I put it into the charger and I let it sit all day long thinking maybe it'll just come back on. It never came back on. So we threw it away. And it was the clear controller we had too, uh, which is pretty sad. Sad days. So we ended up having to go spend $100. Must on, have knocked loose a solder somewhere. Somewhere, yeah. So we ended up on uh, last... Uh, last week we went to Best Buy and I ended up getting uh, a really cool new like they have a new uh, color out I've never seen before it's like this really flat blue color that's navy blue mm-hmm. that's really nice looking yeah I got that one and then we got the we got a new Universal Media remote but out of rage I have told the story in this podcast for sure I, I know but uh, I was like 13 or 14 and Devil May Cry 3 it just came out and for those that don't know Devil May Cry 3 is harder than the Devil May Cry 3 uh, special edition that came out that yep. was like $20. Um, and I was on the Succubus fight and I got her so close to getting beat like a hundred times in a row. And then one time I really thought I had it then she killed me. So like I took, I, it was a, it was a clear neon green light up, uh, PS2 controller that was mad cats. So it was already a bad controller. So like I yanked it out of the controller port of the PS2 and I ran outside and it was raining really bad. And I took the cable in my hand and I spun it around a couple of times like a lasso and then I threw it into the curb and then I went over there and I stomped it until it was in a thousand little pieces in the curb in the rain. But that was the only time those two with the Destiny Gambit and that have been the only two times off the top of my head I've raged at a controller. I've broken probably four DualShock 4s now at this point in life. Like just either stepping on them because I'll like set them on the ground and I'll turn around and I'll get up and I'll step on them and then that like their analog sticks are terrible. Like I know that I weigh almost two hundred pounds, so like stepping on this should not break it, but like or it probably would break it. Yeah, I'm about to say that should break it. So you're putting you're you're putting it it's something that's made to take the force of your thumb pressing it in. And it's taking the whole and the it, whole and it's taking your entire body weight to say, yeah. or at least like a, a hundred ninety a hundred ninety pounds just on an analog stick. And that's happened to two controllers. But Brett, go ahead and tell your story. Yeah, my I, I'm way different, and this is not something besides the chair. Nothing has really happened for a while. There's. <laughs> two stories one's not breaking equipment one's just something that Hannah was like why and I was like you have to understand I'm trying not to break something else uh, <laughs> by doing this so the most recent one I'll, I'll say then is um, I can't remember what game I was playing but it was something that was giving me problems for whatever reason and it was something I was probably trying to work towards the platinum on that's typically when I get to my biggest points of rage is like I need the platinum and this one stupid thing is it's not going to work uh, so essentially what ended up happening is that I was playing the game and I got so mad uh, for a split second that whenever <laughs> whenever I died I punched the door and our door is a steel door so and it left a little bit of an imprint in it <laughs> but the door's in pretty rough shape anyway it's our front door (laughs) so it left a slight dent in it um but essentially what i told her i was like you know my goal with this is that if i didn't let the steam out on this door you would have punched the controller probably was going to punt the controller to the ground yeah so i was like you know you got to take the good with the bad the door is probably not going to be that big of a deal if it has a slight knuckle print in it the controller would cost me 60 dollars today to be able to continue doing my hobby so yeah my controller is 65 dollars i guess because it's it's a new color no they're all 64 they're 64.99 no dude like all the regular ones like the blue the gold the orange are 59 or, or the black the gold the orange are all 59 my controller was probably uh, the new colors because Xbox does the same thing. If it's a specific color that they make in a less like the black makes sense. They make so many of them yeah. that they can essentially. What was weird? The gold one was fifty nine, but the blue one I got was sixty four. 
I don't know. Uh, the gold's also old, so it may just be old stock. I'm not I really sure so. on how they control the pricing on those. I always um, got the berry one. Um, but yeah, you know, that's what's funny for me on PS4 is because of that, that's been the only real instance. And then, of course, hitting this chair arm during Crash Bandicoot. Uh, but outside of that, I have never broken a DualShock 4 or a DualShock 3. Uh, I had one DualShock 3, which was the Final Fantasy Lightning Returns Edition, where the analog stick just started having like a drag, like a drag to it. Yeah, I hate um, that. Which was odd. And that was the only time I ever had one of those go wrong, too. I don't consider them fragile controllers. I bought my PlayStation 4 at launch, and uh, most people within like a year, or not most, but there was plenty of people within a year that were talking about the uh, analog oh, stick material rubbing off, and I still had that controller when I sold that console to Saul, and I bought two controllers at launch, and I kept one of them, and I still have that one. Uh, so it's just one of those things where it's like, huh, I don't know what goes on but now i'm to the point where i have essentially three controllers yeah um, so at any given time you can rotate one out you can yeah, and i do that one. for I, I do that for battery purposes more than anything if the battery dies i immediately put one onto the stand and take the other one off and it starts charging it's very nice i like that if you had to break a controller you could you get away with it yeah but i wouldn't want to because all my controllers are cool now yeah that's true yeah so yeah uh but the old story real quick and then we'll pass on off of this question is uh when i was very young playing kingdom hearts 2 on proud mode and i f- really am sure i've told this story i was fighting cerberus on proud mode i hate cerberus <laughs> and uh because i was trying to get that cool secret movie ending that i'd been told about so i was that like, wasn't real yeah it was real okay it was the um i thought br- you're talking about one of those like, it was the birth by rumors. sleep one you had to you had to beat the game on proud and uh complete certain percentage oh you mean the kingdom hearts 3 trailer everybody thought it was kingdom hearts 3 no the video we watched on youtube i brought it up to somebody and i showed it to them it was literally titled kingdom hearts 3 trailer yeah but the but it never said it anywhere in the video yeah i know but this was literally in 2009 before information was as prolific as it is now yeah probably probably before then because the game came out in 06 when when i specifically found it on youtube yeah so anyway um I was fighting it and I was playing the game obviously with a, with a DualShock 2 so plugged in uh, and we had a big uh, rear projection TV that we were not rich enough to afford. Oh, my I mom, do remember this story. My mom, run, my mom won it um, from working Bingo. at a phone company here oh. that did occasional get like a little occasional things for their employees for like employee of the month and stuff and she did a raffle with her thing from it and she ended up winning that TV so it was the nicest thing we'd ever had and uh, I was like yeah look at me getting a game on this so I'm playing Kingdom Hearts 2 fighting Cerberus I've fought him like four times and I'm just not good enough because I'm partially under leveled but i'm being too stubborn to want to go and actually grind so i'm like i'm gonna beat it he beat me the last time and i got mad and i threw the controller down but because of the shaping of the controller and the handles the handle the hit the ground <laughs> of the dual shock bumped up and then smacked into the tv and i don't know if you know how a rear projection works but essentially there's a there's just a glass or not even it's a plastic material over the front just to give you something like a hard surface that you can clean and look through but the rest of it happens behind it so it didn't do a thing to the image at all but there was a crack that was noticeably in the in the plastic. So when you were looking at it, you could watch it. Uh, it hit that, and I was like, probably, I want to say I was 13, 12, who knows. Um, and my mom came home, and this is like hours later, because it's during the summer. <laughs> my mom came home and was like, who the hell broke the TV? And I immediately, being a crappy little kid, was like, I don't know who did it. And then she ended up, my mom kind of did that thing that parents do where they're trying to roll through who they think might have done it. And then she was like, did Alyssa do it? And then like the candles were knocked over for some reason that had nothing to do with me. And my mom was like, did they throw one of the candles at the TV? <laughs> and I was like, yes, that had to have been it, mom. Oh uh, my gosh. But I'm I sure did. Alyssa I have, got a whoop in. I have since, no, actually she didn't. I have since 
confessed to my mom, but she always, she keeps being like, was it you or was it your friend Donnie who used to live down the street from me? And I was like, mom, it wasn't Donnie. Was that Donovan's nickname? No. Okay. Different kid. Uh, but I thought that was funny because she kept saying that. And I recently talked to her about it like a year ago and she was like, are you sure you're not just covering for Donnie doing it? I was like, mom, I'm 25 years old. At this Why point, would I yeah. have the reason to be lying about somebody I don't even talk to anymore? Right. It's like, you don't even see him. Nobody knows. Like nobody's in contact with him. I would tell you right now if it was Donnie. Yeah. But uh, that that's that. I thought uh, that was pretty funny. Let's see. Next question on Twitter. Then we have the last one from Facebook. We have our good buddy, Matthew. He says, you guys keep mentioning Kingdom Hearts, but what standalone Disney game would you like? Or what old Disney game from any console would you want on PS4? I really don't have a, like, a standalone or like a new Disney type or game. I would really prefer to port two games to PS4. One would be a game that I'm not sure it came out on any console. It might have been on PS2. I mean, PS1, if it did. I played it on PC when I was like really young, but it was Toy Story 2. It came on PS1. Did it? Okay. Yeah. So toy, Actually, it's three. So Toy Story 2 on PS1, Toy Story from Super Nintendo, and then uh, Lion King from Sega. Oh, man. Lion King was hard. It like was really hard, but it was just because of the way that the mechanics for the jumping was. Yeah, uh, like, but no, they're fun games, and even the Aladdin game was actually a moderately fun game. That game was um, also not as hard, but pretty pretty difficult. Yeah, th- that's one of those things where I think the old Disney games were actually handled decently well in the license sense because of what you expected from games at the time versus what you expected from movies. Licensed games started getting really bad whenever we got into the 3D age, and people started wanting the games to do the same thing as the movie. Yeah, tell the same stupid story. Whereas you know the, the, those games like. I Aladdin and Toy Story and uh, Lion King. They're all like their own separate thing. Yeah, there's, there really isn't even really a story. You're just rolling through levels as these characters with things that are basically art designed after the movies in a weird way. So you're like, oh, this is cool. And it feels like I'm kind of playing in that world. But it's more just about the gameplay. Yeah. Um, yeah, totally. So I think uh, I'm, I'm agree with you on that because those games are mechanically pretty fun. And if you could make them come back through and have some pretty difficult um, precision uh, platforming. Toy Story 2 was amazing. Like on. Yeah. On PS1. That really was fun. I, I played I that, that on a keyboard and mouse. <laughs> um, but mine's a little different. Uh, so essentially there's not a game that I want Disney to make because they've essentially already made the game that I think uh, is the essential I think it would be the coolest thing that Disney could do, and they already did it. Uh, Epic Mickey, the first one, uh, was a Wii exclusive, and I actually played. I, my Blaze had a Wii, and I actually went and checked it out from when I worked at GameStop just to play this game. I didn't get to beat it, uh, but I love. Isn't that game worth hundreds of dollars now? I have no clue, but regardless, it's a game that was incredibly fun, and I like the idea behind it. It had a dark aesthetic to it. Um, it had a very fun mechanic with the paintbrush and the ability to kind of repaint the world and introduce color into something and then also erase stuff. Um, I, I love that idea of being able to use paint thinner and stuff. And I like the idea generally behind the story. You have a, you know, you have a character who is being bad. Be, I don't want to get into it in case you actually end up wanting to play it or if they ever port it. Uh, but it was a really cool idea with a character that we all know in a sense that felt true to him, but also had like an edge that kind of like, kind of like kingdom hearts introduces where you're like, Mickey's kind of getting into some stuff. Yeah. Um, so I, I love that game. And I think that seeing that game reimagined for the PlayStation four without motion controllers necessarily, or maybe, maybe moving into VR. I don't think so. I think that there's something about Mickey that looks and feels good 
watching him on a 2D surface. So like, you know, we're playing in 3D, but seeing it on the screen with a 2D sense, it feels like watching animation and it was very pretty. And I like that game for that reason. It just, it exemplified a lot about the old Disney and the classic Disney. And like, I felt like it was a lot about their history, definitely from the stuff they pulled in from the characters they chose to utilize. Um, so that's definitely where I'd go. I think that that's a really cool game and a good idea for a game. And I, it's it's a bummer that when Epic Mickey 2 came out, and it was an okay game, I, and, and it came multi-platform, uh, and I played it. It was an okay game, but it just didn't quite capture the magic the same way, sadly. Um, so, you know, it's unfortunate. But I do think that Disney, as big as they are and with as many IPs as they have, have just a crazy giant house of things they can do we're kind of getting that in a sense now because disney owns marvel so essentially we're getting a disney game and the new spider-man you know yeah i I thought about cheaping out there and saying that but i was like nah i'm like i would really like to see toy story one and two and lion king come back yeah i think you could probably say specifically disney properties ones that they actually put their name behind whereas they let marvel kind of exist as itself you know it's owned by disney don't put don't put star wars in kingdom hearts exactly i do agree with that I've said that a number of times. Please, please, and do not put Marvel anything into... Oh, God. Uh, anyway, move on to the last question, and this one comes from uh, Mr. Josh Shoup on Facebook. He says, What song puts you guys deep in the feels from a video game? And real quick, I just want to put out... <laughs> Liam said, For Saul, it's the very beginning intro of The Surge. I heard Why he can't play that? any Souls game till he hears it. Why did I know he was going to say Like Whenever he said it and Liam says, I'm like, oh, he's going to say something about The Surge. And for me, he said, for Brett, it's the Hannah Montana OSD. And you know what? I got to say. feels like he has those mixed up. It's true. You know, I have to say, when you listen to the Hannah Montana OST from that great PS3 game, you get the best of both worlds. Um, But realistic, uh, I think that, you know, one of the songs that comes from a video game that I listen to, I mean, literally all the time, it's so good, uh, is The Sanctuary from Kingdom Hearts 2. The opening that song, man, Mine's I'm in the, the right game. mood. God, it, it, it'll like destroy. It's like, it's so good. It, yeah. Like, it'll get me deep in my feels. I'm like, this is amazing. Lazy uh, Sunday afternoons, I think is what it's called, or lazy afternoons. When you're walking around Twilight, Twilight Town. Twilight Town, yep. Just do, 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 do. Right. Dude, I love it. And, it. and it just starts off so somber and then picks up a little bit compared to the big intro. It's yeah. good. And see, that's getting One of the best your... things about Roxas's area. <laughs> is that song? Yeah. Um, okay, would you agree with this? I'm viewing this through the prism of being in your feels, essentially going more towards the kind of sad slash somber nature of things. Uh, and like what, is he like lazy, whatever that is? I lazy can't Sunday afternoon, yeah. I'm pretty sure. Uh, the, the part, one of the things I love about that song is that it almost exemplifies that it's like it's summer and summer is it's like it's not supposed to end there's a relaxation to it but there's a sadness of the the song makes it seem like summer's never going to end but when you're going through the game it's like but summer's gonna end and it's like something that you can mirror into your real life so i see that as well it's almost like something that's somber like you listen to it and you're like i like it because it's relaxing but there's also this weird back end of like it's kind of tied into some odd stuff yeah uh, it's, it's just lazy afternoons by so the would you I okay to, lazy I, had, I had to double check it would you agree would you say that we need to mention songs that get you pumped because that's getting you in your feels in an entirely different way but most people use the word feels more towards uh emotional emotionally distraught not necessarily pumped because if i had to say pumped man the song and i can't remember the name off the top of my head right now and i apologize for that but there's a song that plays at the end of near automata when you're switching between something and it is amazing. It is. And also, Nier Automata, Become As Gods. That's what, that's what mine was going to be. It's amazing. There's, a, there's a, a Dark Souls theme I'm trying to think of, and I'm trying to think of what it is, because I I went and seeked it out and listened to it, 
but I can't like I for I'm 100% blank right now. I can't think what boss it is, but it starts off very slow, and then the boss transforms at the halfway point or whatever, and then picks up. Yeah, and it is. I, I want to. No, it's not Idex Gunder. I don't remember who it is. I don't. I don't think it's. Um, oh my gosh! I can't believe I. I can't. I'm blanking. I don't know. C- uh, Sirisos or Siriros? I can't even think. Oh, the I can't dog, remember how you pronounce the, the dog it. Dog thing, the yeah. dragon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, like I, I'm just gonna go with become as gods because that that one when it starts off and it just starts slowly, like you slowly slowly start hearing the lyrics coming in. It's like and you start taking it apart. And of course, what's going on in the game as you're going through it as it's happening. Yeah, it's it's it's, it's quite the song. Amazing. Another song that always gets me pumped is from Kingdom Hearts Two as well. Actually, uh, is Sacred Moon. It happens when you're playing in the world that never was when you're fighting through and do that song is lit it's so good every time i hear it i'm like dude this pumps me up i love this i can i can make a nostalgic one and go back to when i was like 14 playing halo 2 uh there is i used to be like into like really bad music <laughs> so like breaking benjamin i'm not trying to insult anybody who likes breaking benjamin i still like the old stuff but um it's often seen as like bad music by like certain musicians but anyways um when i was that young i was like that i love it and then halo 2 that the one of their songs called blow you away is actually stop laughing is in is in the game this is just funny it's in the game but it's not it doesn't have any lyrics it's just it starts off the guitar and it's it you hear the guitar and then it's an escape sequence kind of thing going on and it's like you hear it in the background playing okay i got one more answer for this as well since we're talking about escape okay uh sonic adventure 2 uh, uh, escape, city escape city escape oh my uh, you, god no, you boy. almost said escape from the city don't yeah be city escape i know you're right you're right boy, that baseline and those lyrics everyone knows that song it and does. if you don't then you're missing out because that song is killer yeah go look at that song right now and then just imagine how 2003 was <laughs> Um, God, that game was that game was two thousand. I'm fairly positive, or two thousand one. You know, you, you, you're probably talking about the GameCube version, but if the Dreamcast version was that's what that, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. I didn't get to play the uh, Dreamcast version except for uh, Big Sess House. Yeah, I'm about ninety nine percent sure that yeah, two thousand one for Sonic Adventure two. Okay, so yeah, I got to play it at his house. Uh, I didn't get to play it uh, until GameCube. But, Man. Uh, well, thank you guys for uh, the reader mail questions. Be sure to tune in next week to see exactly what's going on with some changes like I uh, alluded to. But uh, why don't you uh, lead us into the main topic, Brett? Main topic comes from piece of news that we are talking about over here. And it's actually we're a little bit a little bit late on it. But PlayStation exclusive journey. Uh, that's why we went so tongue in cheek in the intro is making its way to PC via the Epic Game Store, which is, for those who don't know, a new uh, online PC game store that is Steam kind of rivaling cool. Steam. Uh, and it's getting a lot of games exclusive to it right now. Uh, so it's pretty interesting. Uh, but what's interesting about this is that there's not a lot of info that's gone on completely around it as to when why? it's going to happen or necessarily why. But I think we can probably divulge some of why based off the information we know uh which is essentially that this is starting and i want to frame this around the fact that there are so many games that have happened in a third party or even in a you know it's third party but still exclusive nature that so many people have wanted to come to pc one of them being bloodborne obviously uh it's been constantly you know dissed by a number of pc players for not coming to pc yeah um but or to playstation now yeah, but essentially, when it comes down to this, 
Uh, there are a number of players who love the idea of taking PlayStation exclusives, which obviously have a tendency to look amazing. And this is where I think a lot of this extends from. People who look at these games and see how good they look on consoles go, now how much more could I push that on my PC? What exactly would it look like there? I think that fuels a lot of it. And then, of course, there are people that just play on PC only but want to play a couple of these games like people who became Dark Souls fans through the PC releases uh, and wanted to play Bloodborne but were locked behind being able to play it. Um, so apparently how this is happening, I guess we'll say the first part, uh, it is being published on PC through the Epic Game Store through Annapurna Interactive, which is a, a publisher uh, that's published a number of uh, indie games, one of them also being the uh, like what we talked about, What Remains of Edith Finch, which was originally going to be a PlayStation published game. Uh, but in this sense, it appears as though, and from what we've seen, I think it's confirmed that Sony is licensing Journey out to Annapurna so that they can publish it on PC through this store. Now, if we want to go into the why this is happening, Saul and I loosely talked about this, but Saul, do you have any immediate reasons as to why you think it's happening? Because I definitely have one major one. I, I can think of two, and why or to how it's happening uh, is kind of the answer to one of them in a way, Is but it's the, the license has run out. So their publishing license or whatever it is that they have the agreement for. I, I don't think so in that route. I get where you're coming from with it, and I know that well, that's that what happens I'm on a number of games. Yeah, that's what I just assume going off of what I uh, have. But there's it's, it's kind of what we learned here, and, and part of the reason as to why is that uh, for people who have iOS, uh, and maybe even it's on Android now, I don't Flower. know for sure, but Flower has already been uh, handled by Sony licensing it off for someone else to publish it for phones. Now, I, again, I see this as my one major reason, and then we can get over to your second one uh, in case it... My second one was mainly just epic. They need... That may something be epic. To, well, but they need something to jump off the ground with it. I could see that, but with it being Annapurna publishing it and not Epic themselves. Well, I'm talking about specifically the game, though. Yeah, sure. Because it's not on Steam. It's not. It's it's one of those things that's like, well. But that's, again, happening through partnership with Annapurna. Right, but I'm just saying it's 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 a it's a big advantage for them. They sure. can say that like this is it on Steam. So now if this is this is almost uh, to Epic's favor in terms of wanting a um I guess a, a PC store exclusive to boast about. Yeah, I mean that's essentially it, and it's one that's got a lot of cri- a lot of critical acclaim. Good crew, yeah. Um, but as to reason as to why I think Sony's doing, I guess that's what I should have said. I think it's why would Sony uh, license it is, is what I'm more aiming at, and I think my reason, uh, and it's probably the reason that this happened with Flower as well, is that these are games that received a lot of critical acclaim, released on PS3. Sony dipped into a lot of a new fan base with the uh, with Journey specifically, since it was the biggest of them. All. Yeah, uh, on the PS4 by re-releasing it on PS4, and I think what you see happen is that at this point, uh, it's pretty much reached who it's going to reach on the console market. So these games sit there essentially unused, right? And they're big enough that Sony has used the good word of mouth surrounding them for a long time, but they're not so big that it continues to be a reason as to why Sony Sony should not let them go on another platform, uh, as such with something like Bloodborne or something where it was a very big cash cow that has a lot of ability to be continually Even bigger. Yeah, yeah. So I think when you look at it in that sense, the partnership they had with that game company it's not like they're going to get another journey out because journey was the last of a three game deal that sony did with that game company that led with the first game being flow the second game being flower and the third game being journey and that was kind of the end of that so 
when you see that going on, I think that Sony realizes that people are not going to take another journey any kind of serious. It's probably not a game that needs a sequel anyway because it's such a unique experience. So when you're not going to get anything more out of it from it being an IP based, how do you continue to make money off this IP? You don't sell the IP. Instead, you license it so that you make money off of it from new platforms. And I think that that's probably what you saw happen with Flower. They, re- they uh, You know what? This is a game that makes a lot of sense to work on phones because it wouldn't take much. And we can do that there. Reach a new audience audience and make some more money and then in this case they have the ability to potentially even get more money out of it if like you're saying if epic is trying to use this as a boon as to why you should use epic uh, over steam and then doing so with the sense of essentially a store exclusive a pc exclusive um in this route uh, i think what it comes down to is that you have things like sony might have been able to get more money out of journey and annapurna by by you know, essentially, if Epic were working with Annapurna saying, hey, we want th- we want a game that's going to make us a big exclusive, Annapurna reached out to Sony and said, hey, we have an idea for this. We can pay you this much more money because we're getting extra incentive from Epic to make sure this game only shows up on their store. Yeah. And it may be, a, and I think the other reason that is, is that, of course, for Annapurna's sake, um, exclusives, even in the PC realm, always benefit from being there's, there's, there's an idea behind exclusives, and it's what you see on consoles as well. Being exclusive gets you that much more notoriety. When you're in a sea, definitely on PC, a literal sea of releases every day, you have to do something that pushes you above everybody else. Now, of course, Journey in and of itself being an original console exclusive, making its way to PC, acts as some form of a, of a big thing, and it probably wouldn't have drowned anyway. But it being an exclusive for Epic, it gets even more attention because of it, and therefore... And potentially what, even more sell-through rate. What a cool game to get for the first time, too, because there's so many people going to be playing that you can potentially run into those other 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 others other exactly journeyers. I guess someone who journeys, journeys, yeah, journeyer, yeah, journeyman, journeyman, uh, yeah. So it's kind of a it's going to be kind of a cool experience and uh, for a lot of people for the first time. Well, and essentially, if these people are lucky enough and they truly are PC exclusive players and they're and they maybe heard some things about this game, maybe they'll get lucky enough to have not had the real experience for them ruined because there is a magic about stumbling upon somebody the first time in Journey and kind of looking and going, you know is this an AI or is this another player? And that was before they made it clear that there was this, um, I don't want to say asynchronous because it's not, it's real multiplayer, but it happens in segments. Yeah. It's like you come across somebody and they'll kind of help you for a little bit, but then somebody else rolls in. And what's so amazing is the magic happens throughout the gameplay. Of course, when you're kind of sitting there looking at the other person and you're wondering whether it's AI or not, or another person. And then whenever you kind of convince yourself that it's another person in your mind, it's the same person through the whole game just for you to reach the credits and realize that you just played with about 12 to 20 people. Which is cool. Which is like, whoa. It's like a really cool experience that I, I still haven't finished the game. Because it shows you the name of everyone. Like two hours. Yeah, it's not a very long game, but it's also a game that I think has a lot of uh, visual storytelling and I don't even want to say storytelling. It's a lot of visual interpretation. It sets out a striking visual design and the way that it goes through things without any words and it tries to set this thing for you where it's like, you're going to play this and you're going to experience this in a way that is probably going to be different from everyone else because you're going to glean from it different things than what other people did because there is no 100% thing. All you know is that you're on a journey up a mountain. And so the name is in and of itself, but what each section of that means towards you and what you kind of get from it almost acts as a little bit like um, it's something that comes specifically from you and 
I think framing of what you've gone through at your time. So yeah, it's a great, great game for them to get. But I think what me and Saul kind of wanted to talk about with this, since it was kind of a slow week and we didn't know quite what we wanted to be the topic until we ran across this is that it sets an odd precedent that Sony could potentially do this. And as we've seen, they've technically done it twice now, both with that game company games, oddly enough. Um, and one slightly different thing is that like Neo was, was published by Sony for the PlayStation, uh, instead of Koi Tecmo, but or Tecmo Koi, whatever. Um, but whenever it came out on PC, it was not published by Sony, obviously. Obviously, yeah. So I think in those situations right there, that's not necessarily Sony taking a game that they actually owned. I think that that's Sony. They published that game in a, as a sense of being able to make sure that it was like, oh, well, it's already exclusive and we'll publish it to get it out there and kind of tie our name ever so more into it. But you'll still have the ability to freely publish it on computer under your own thing and make your money that way. Uh, I think that's a little bit of a different thing. Sony wasn't necessarily, as far as I can tell by what the agreement seems to have been between Tecmo Koi and Sony, Sony was not seeing money from the PC sales release. I would imagine if Sony's smart when they license this game through Annapurna, they are going to get residuals off of it for every sale that happens. And it wasn't just a lump sum. So you start to look at that and you kind of think, what other games does Sony have that might actually end up seeing this treatment? We know already that Sony's apparently not completely opposed to people on PC playing their games, as we know that PS Now supports computer uh, as a way to reach a new market, let alone people who are already um, on PlayStation wanting to play those old games. So, Saul, in your mind, what games have you seen that you think fit this business model perfect and don't detract so much from PlayStation as to lose their lose their image as the market leader of exclusives, but still stand to offer them financial incentive and benefit to do it without taking away from their Sony side of business. Guacamelee won. Okay, but Guacamelee is already multiplat. Is it on PC? It's, I, it may not be on PC, but it, it wasn't published by Sony. Um, now, I could see how you might easily get across that, but that yeah. game was self-published. I really thought that was... Uh, I, I really didn't think it was on PC. Let me check real quick. Uh, it might be. I don't know, but it's on Xbox and it's on um, Switch and stuff like that. You know. See, I did not know it was on PC. I may pick it up for the Switch. Or never mind. I got a Vita now. I can actually pick it up for the Vita and experience it for the first time. No, it totally is. Wow. Um yeah, so, I really thought that game was not on Steam. Uh, I, and I could get that because of how close the partnership between Drinkbox and, and Sony has been definitely yeah. in those early days. And Guacamelee was a timed exclusive, but it did eventually make its way to other consoles. Let's see then. Let me. This is a good question. I know you have one since you asked me the question, so go ahead and give me yours. Uh, really, you know, I have ideas of where I think this goes and I think a lot of it lies in this these indie games that they've managed to publish throughout the years and they've definitely slowed down on and I think that this is the perfect realm for that. Indie games they've published and have pretty much reached their market share these are things that they can get where well I was thinking indie games so I thought of Guica Melee but yeah, and these I are things specifics. That, okay like I think one that might be a good fit for them uh, since it definitely did not go back through to PS4 and it was a game that didn't sell well initially, but it was a uh, highly lauded as just an interesting game uh, and people really loved it. So it has a cult following would be a PS3 game called puppeteer. 
And I don't know if you remember this game. I don't. And it really didn't strike me. I, I did play it. it. They put it out on PS Plus on PS3, and I tried it out. And it's a cool game visually, but it just doesn't really... It never really clicked with me mechanically. I didn't love it, but it was a pretty game. Uh, and I think that at that sense, they've definitely not touched it, not put it on PS4. I think that you can reach back into that. It's not an IP that's necessarily going to have a lot of weight for PlayStation, but it's something that put on PC would probably draw quite a big crowd. And again stand to make them money in a way that would not detract from something that you see as intrinsically PlayStation. Because, the like I say, the one thing that you want to do in those moves is you don't... If Sony were going to do this more, it's got to be things that they know that by doing... Don't make it look like Sony's seeding ground to PC and look like they're like. Instead, it's just a way for Sony to monetize more and essentially continue to get money out of a product yeah. that has otherwise been. I know. can't really come up with a good one. I'm trying to think of like a of a cool game that would make sense. That's not going to be. I don't want to call it a dead franchise, but a franchise that's not going to be expanded upon anymore. But that it should be uh, experienced. Technically, I would say near one. Well, again, I know not not published by Sony, but and not exclusive, not exclusive, but still. I mean, if you want to talk about a game that may make sense on PC, and yeah, sure, I guess because Automata came to PC, but yeah, because uh, Near One came to Xbox 360. Yeah, and that, uh, and that was it. So it's just an Xbox and PS3 game. Uh, I never saw the light of day on PC. Wasn't there some kind of weird exclusive uh, exclusivity with that game in in like a different country? Like it didn't come out on PlayStation in one country, but it came out in an Xbox. No, no, but it did come out. Uh, in Japan on both, but in Japan it had two versions. It the was Gasalt uh, edition, and, uh, yeah, and um, oh lord, Gasalt and um, replicant, Re- yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, I, so I, I see that it's one of those things where you have to really have a weird knowledge of what Sony has and hasn't published. But I'll, I'll move away from have, that because, like, one thing. Well, no, I don't know. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I'm going to move away from that because it is an interesting question. It's a kind of hard thing to answer anyway because what do you really think Sony would do? But let's move it past this. Do you think, and I've heard a lot of people say this, and I don't share this sentiment, but do you think that as consoles continue to mature into these things that are going to essentially become stream boxes, like some people think, I don't necessarily know that I agree that that's going to happen because of the streaming technology in general is just never going to match a, a, a set-top box, essentially. Um, well, But as they start to do that, and it becomes more the idea of a platform not being related to a physical box, but instead just a, a platform. Like, you know, they're all on one platform, being the platform maybe being PC or something like that, uh, or stream boxes in general that has multiple st- uh, storefronts on it. Yeah, there is. Do a- you think that it's worth Sony going that route with some of their IP, or do you? Uh, for our, I guess I say quickly because there's a chance that they'll do it anyway because the market will demand yeah. that it goes there. But do you think that they should embrace it and do it sooner than everybody else, or not? Because I'd say no. Yeah, I'm gonna say no. I'm gonna say they shouldn't. They shouldn't jump the gun just in case that this never takes off. Yeah, I would say that Microsoft stands more. To considering that they're in a different position and they're already trying they're to already diversify kind themselves of in bed with PC gamers in a way, it would almost make more sense for them to drop the idea of Xbox being a physical box, which would hurt well, them to an extent. But it would be, I could see them being the first company to really embrace that idea and give up the idea of an actual box that you're buying. Now, you still might buy an Xbox, but it'll still play other streams games to an extent, you know? So there's they won't be an exclusive locked down platform, I should say. There's an interesting thing that, um, that 
speaking of like stream boxes is, and that's why I'm bringing this up is that there's a tech channel called minus tech tips. I'm yeah. sure you know him. I do. There is, I don't know if you saw one of his newest videos, but he does it over. It's a, it's a, it's a stream box. And I think they only cost like a hundred dollars, but you pay like, I think it, I, I don't want to say an outrageous price, like $30 a month, but I think that may be what it is. If you meet the required, like, uh, that their, their Intel centers are so good that if you, requ- if you meet the required, like bandwidth, bandwidth of like a hundred megabits or something down, it has no latency at all. Like there is like he has used input mapping uh, test and there is no input lag, period. So it's weird because they managed to find a way to do it. And they well, and Microsoft just to well, paint no, your argument more. Microsoft saying they found it for phones yeah. for their new Xbox thing. that so they're doing. So it's kind of crazy because somewhere there's a cabinet across the United States that has a 1080 Ti in it with the highest in, uh, Intel processor. I don't know what that is anymore because uh, I, I don't keep a hold of Intel. But that, that I'm playing a game on and there's no lag. So it makes you wonder. And this is this is not some now n- when you say lag. The, there's, the, there's, the way this stuff works there's no noticeable input lag noticeable. No noticeable. that's what I want to say yeah. because what anyway, it comes even down then, to there has to be some difference if the, you map how long it takes from a standard controller to a controller that's mapped through a stream box yeah. it's going to be there's going to be a difference well, is, it a, is it a measurable difference by the human eye and, and feel or not well, what, they, what, what they did was they plugged it into a monitor they pressed a button and it ran an input test, and I think it was 1.9 milliseconds mm-hmm. uh, input time. And then they did that with a true on the computer. And it was 1.9 milliseconds. So mm-hmm. it is the same input input difference. So That seems impossible just because of what does. we literally know about but, stuff. But to be it fair, has to send and to, receive. To be fair, he was at their headquarters connected to their internet. Oh. So, yeah. So, But I'm wondering if there's going to be a time in which somebody's going to get that and say, well, this requires 100 megabits down. I have 120. We have like like above 200 i can't remember if it's 220 or 250 i think it's 250 um so that means we would obviously be able to do it for 30 bucks a month to own a gaming pc basically like would consoles ever do that and it kind of comes down to if they did microsoft obviously is going to have the head start and they do have the head start but that doesn't matter when what we've said before about the games. Well, I'm almost going to say, do they have a head start? I, I think no, they do. They, it's they, going to depend on whether they have a head start based on what happens well, with the streaming technology. Because what I will say right now is that it depends on what you mean by head start. Because if we're I speaking should say head physic- start in marketing and the mar and like the whole and the rumor base of them them intentionally putting maybe? stuff out about the Xbox that's only going to be steamed or streamed and then there's going to be the normal xbox yeah. the next iteration yeah. Yeah. so they already have the the inclination in people's minds of this is going to happen this so we're going to have one ready for you sony doesn't have that yet but that doesn't matter if well, sony comes out and does it right i'm going to argue in one sense this sony doesn't necessarily have that rumor mill going with them but one thing that you probably don't know and will surprise you slightly uh there is a breakdown of how much business certain things have got oh no you're talking about ps now right ps now has more business than xbox games pass does yeah it does it has which almost is almost double amazing it when is. you think about what it is games pass is a service that allows you to download the game to your system but games pass is a service that it can only go to one different place what do you mean like if, if you can play on, it on pc or xbox i mean if, if we're talking about that right your games pass works across both and you download the games and there is no latency at all whereas ps now which is something that has streamed, latency that people yeah, know and, can, and doubled, observable which makes you is wonder, still outselling well and now to be fair though you don't have to. You don't have to stream games on PS Now anymore. That's true. PS4. You could download select titles. Select. So titles, once those yeah. titles start getting up and up, I'll consider to pay a year 
uh, like at once to, yeah. to, to, to do it. But no, it has sure. to that has to really jump up. Sure, but I just think it's interesting that a, a business model that's actually worse and people know from looking at it markedly, I say that if you look at how how quickly people would jump over, people who are already game streaming are going to be more likely to follow a company in. So in that sense, it appears there are more people already game streaming through Sony. Pretty much, yeah. Than Microsoft even has doing Games Pass, which Games Pass could easily become a streaming service. Yeah, uh, and games- it wants Microsoft's technology that they're, they've been talking about is there, and yeah, I think at that point Microsoft would have the lead in the uh, performance department, unless Sony has been working well, with Gaikai behind the scenes, which they own, to make a good service. It's arguable, but I think if you want to talk about just jumping off point. Sony probably really has more market. They they would have a market advantage by people jumping ship with them. I'm talking about specifically for a stream box, though. Yeah, and I, I even then I still because say, like if Sony came out and said that we're gonna have a PS Now box without revealing PS Now can now stream these more yeah, new games, sure. then it's gonna absolutely be ravaged online. Nobody's gonna oh, no, care. No, it'll be ravaged online, and I do agree with that. But then again, how many people is that versus? And it, I would say this: neither of them I think are smart to go completely this way. Like I keep saying, but I, if you want to just go off of if both, if, if Sony and Microsoft today both came out on Twitter and said, Hey, we're going to have our traditional boxes, but we're also going to have stream boxes that are 100%. Oh, well, streams. Sony's going to be ahead no matter what because of, because of who they are. Well, this there's generation. that. But I'd even say it's just because you already have a large number of people who are already streaming through them. So yeah. they're obviously already in bed with Sony and okay with the idea of streaming through I'm them. I'm just talking so. about the, the Sony ju- or Microsoft jumped on the idea of having this kind of stuff out there. Sure. And I think uh, definitely if Microsoft jumped entirely to a stream box uh, that I don't think they'll ever jump entire like well well I mean PC and stream box essentially you know what I mean I think that you'll still be able to buy a box from Microsoft but it'll essentially be an Xbox branded box with an Xbox controller but it'll just act in the sense of you can even stream Steam through it are you saying that that's going to replace their console though they, I'm saying that they could. Not that I don't they, think will, they will, but I think okay. they I could. I you said they will do that. I'm like, I, I, think I don't think that's going to happen. They could with less backlash than yeah. Sony, essentially. So, so essentially, like, like the whole topic kind of wraps around to this, that that with this kind of service happening and these these franchises that we may be seeing go, like, I don't want to say go away, but they're becoming new somewhere else. I yeah. guess is a better way to they're say it. They're finding new life They're elsewhere. finding new life. Uh, I, I like this idea because the more and more that we go forward with uh, any kind of console iteration, the more and more it's going to have a library for you almost already waiting. Uh, and it may be stuff you didn't get to play. So we do know that this is going to be a short, this is a short topic. You know, there's not much to discuss here in terms of, of other stuff, but I am very kind of curious about what everybody else in uh, the chat and the channel knows like if you are part of our discord channel always be sure to hop in and, and let us know we have custom topics for uh, this kind of stuff I am curious though what do you guys think is journey going uh, to PC now is this a surprise to you especially coming from its developer and then it's ties in with to- Sony or is it kind of one of those things that's something that you aren't just normally too sure of and uh We'll, uh, we'll chat with you and find out and be sure to tune in next week because we have yeah. some big announcements and uh, some other things to let you guys know about that is happening within our channel so we are excited for that yeah right, take it away I would say we'll see you but I guess you'll see you'll see us, us. yeah uh, <laughs> next uh, episode so episode 91 is going to mark a lot of differences in the show it's exciting times guys exciting times until then though this has been Triangle Squared thank you guys thank you guys
Thanks to our patrons, Chad V, Dan Barber, Josh Jarrell, Mikey12, My Name is Dan, Douglas Blow, Sean Santarude, Shadowist, Stephen Salazar, The Stonerd, Travis Blow, Blake Popst, Eduardo Palomino. If you would like to support us on Patreon, the link will be in the description below. Thank you.